Well, good morning and welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you guys for being a part of today. I'm Paul. I am one of the pastors here, and it's terrific to see you. Special welcome to the Harbor Kids. Um, Harbor Kids are 4th, 5th, and 6th grade graders. Normally, they are dismissed, and they go up for their own kind of time to, to grow and learn. And, and during communion, whenever you have communion Sunday, they stay down here with us. And it's great to have you guys here, and um, don't worry, it won't be too painful for you. So you can, you can make it. Make it through. Um, our series that we are in is uh, Esperanza. It is hope. In fact, our whole year we want to talk about hope. And we talk about what hope is and, and kind of our theme phrase is hope changes what? Everything. Hope changes everything. Um, now, almost everything. It, it doesn't change the weather, <laughs> um, but it can certainly change my attitude about the weather, can it? And it can't change my health, but it can change my mood and my optimism and my belief that God's at work in all of this. And so this is how hope makes the changes within us and in our lives, and so that we can handle the ups and we can handle the downs of things that are, that are going through us. Now, now, what is hope? What is this Esperanza? It's, it's more than just a wish. You know, it's, 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 it's like, I mean, I hope I don't have a ton of homework this week. It's, it's more than that. It's, it's more than just I hope the Girl Scouts don't ambush me for cookies when I'm coming out of Safeway, okay? I'm, they did, by the way, and then they always do. What hope is, it's, it's more than that, and there's a richness to it that God, I think, wants us to understand and grasp. It's an assurance that a loving God, that a loving God is in control of life and of my life, not only control of life, but it's control of my life. And no matter if good or bad happens, he's in charge, and it's going to be okay. It will be fine. And this is the way it, it, it works itself out. And, and, and again, I want you to grasp, it's not so much as, as um, a verb, it's, it's more of a noun. It's something that you have, you know, something you can hold on to. The Bible will talk about, as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more and more. It's something you can have, you can grasp. You can, you can feel it when you've got it. And so we would say, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist, it doesn't matter if the glass is half full or if it's half empty, the reality of hope is no matter what I'm going through in life and my outlook on it, the glass is held by God, and God loves me, and God cares about me, and God's got everything under control and is working everything out. And our goal for this year, my desire, is that we can do, and there's something in the Bible, a phrase that says, I dare to hope, you know, in the midst of everything that's going on, in the midst of my life, in the midst of things you know, falling apart and all that kind of stuff, I will still dare to hope. You know, I will have it in, in my life. And, and, and so we're raising our hope quotient, our ability to hope even more and more and more. And, and this morning I want to talk about something I think is pretty important, and that's looking ahead, looking towards the future and how we do that in hope. And before we get any farther, I'm going to take a second and just ask God to bless these moments. Would you, would you pray with me, please? Lord, now we have um, time to think through how you interact with us and work on our hearts, and I pray you really give me the right words now and that your spirit would move through in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, great verse in the Bible, um, and it's in your insert. In fact, it's your memory verse for this week. And, and, and listen to what it says. It says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I look forward to what's ahead. Now, now in the context of this, is talking about the greater future of forever that we would have with God, and I get it. This is what, what we have. But it also expresses a general attitude that the writer has of, of hope. He says, I'm going to always be looking ahead. 
at what's in store for me next, no matter what I'm going to be looking ahead. I went to the Half Moon Bay High School game, a basketball game, um, the other afternoon, and uh, um, one of the kids in our youth group is, is on the team, and I think it's just important to go out and support them and, and all that stuff. And so, so I walked to the event center, you know, down, down, down there, and, 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 and there's an admission charge, students four bucks, seniors four bucks, and adults eight bucks. And so I gave them a $10 bill expecting $2 back, and I got $6 back, Okay. <laughs> Do the math. Just do the math in your head right now. Do, do the math. They charged me four bucks. Now, now obviously, they didn't give me the adult rate. Um, they certainly didn't think I was a student, you know. And, and I just thought, they just gave me the senior rate. You know, they just, they just did, you know. I didn't, I didn't ask for it. They didn't ask my age. They didn't card me or anything like that. They just... Assumed right there, they just assumed that I was a senior right there. First time it ever happened, right there, right there. And all of a sudden, I felt very, very what? No, mad. That was mad. I'm standing there, clear, utter shock. You know, and it's like, when did this happen? You know, when did this happen? You know, when did I become, when did I be, be, become old? You know, is this like life now on? I mean, is this it? From, from, from now on, I'm thinking, well, if they're going to charge me for a senior, I'm going to certainly act like a senior. So I sat, da- I sat down, you know, and I took my coat and I wrapped it around my legs, you know. I, and I said, why is the buzzer so loud? And why can't they turn down the air conditioning? All that kind of stuff. I was being as noxious as I, I possibly could. But you sometimes think, you know, when did the future come? Because the future all of a sudden hit me. It hit me a lot quicker than I thought it was going to. And, and, and what hope do I have? How does hope work for our future, you know, and in our future? What do I have to look forward to now? And there, there's, a, there's a great question um, that I want to toss out here because it helps catalyze hope in your life, especially when it comes to situation and things, okay? And, and this is the hope question for no matter what we're experiencing and going through. And here it is, and please write this down, and please remember it if you can. Always be asking, no matter what, what can this become? Isn't that a great question? I mean, isn't that a cool question? What can this become? It's, it's a simple question, just a few words, but it, it certainly changes an awful lot. And what I want to do is take that question, this really, really important question, and apply it to three areas that we are always needing hope in in our lives. And that will be situations, okay? We always need hope in situations, people, the people around us, the people that drive us crazy, and the people that frustrate us, and, and also my life, okay? What can this become as we look at those Three particular areas. Now, let's look at situations first, okay? Um, that quote from, from the Bible that, that, that's not going to be on your little key tag when you leave, it's from Paul, and it's in the Bible book of Philippians. The Bible book of Philippians is a great book, by the way. If you ever just simply say, I don't know where to start in the Bible, start with the book of Philippians. Just read it. It's about a 10-minute read. Read the whole thing. And it's got all kinds of things that will give you joy and hope, and it talks all kinds of great, great verses are in it that you'll want to underline 
says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's, a, that's kind of a, a pumping up verse. Or rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And you just think that's pretty cool, you know. Pretty cool. I, I, I like this. And, 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 and I, you know, just kind of think through how great this Apostle Paul guy is as far as having hope and joy and peace and all this kind of stuff in his life. Until you realize that he wrote this, these words from prison. He was in jail. Okay, and 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 if 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 you know a little bit about the Apostle Paul, his calling, his joy in life, the greatest thing that he could do in life would be to go from town to town and travel and and begin to start churches and plant churches. In fact, that was his calling from God. He felt like the most important thing I can do in my life, the greatest thing is to go from this place to that place and start churches. And all of a sudden now he's arrested and he's stuck in in in, in prison and his life is on hold. Okay. Now, now, I don't know what happens to you when you have plans in life and all of a sudden they get put on hold. I don't know what your emotions do. But, you know, if I want to mow the lawn and it's raining, you know, I get a little bit frustrated, okay? You know, I'm a little bit bugged about that. Here, his life's calling, his spiritual calling is just shut down. But he asks the question again and again, what can this become? And, 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 and here it is, okay? Here's where you can begin to see the God things in this when you start to ask that question. What can this become? Listen to what he says, okay? He's writing this. This is Philippians. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here, throwing throws in prison, has helped to spread the good news. And it's like, man, Paul, you sound like you're okay with this? He says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, know that I'm in chains because of Christ. Meaning what this has become is everybody around me knows why I'm here. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And what he did is he took the bad situation that he was in, and and what he did is he saw a much bigger God-sized picture in the whole thing. What God is doing, not what's going on in me and in my life. See that? I mean, do you, do you see what that is? It's like this guy's an optimist. He's an optimist even though he's in jail right now. And what he's saying is, my bad situation, others are more bold. God is doing a work in spite of and because of my situation. He says this, what does it matter? important thing is in every way, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. And so when you look at that question, what can this become? It's really key as it fuses God's plan and God's working into my particular situation. And this is what we have to do in order to gain the hope, no matter what our circumstances are going through. We need to begin to fuse God's plan and God's working into my situation. And if I can hold on to that or get that and say, God, what can this become? I mean, my this or my that. What can this become? All of a sudden, you begin to get, and what's our word? It's hope that God is doing something in this. Paul says, I have hope and joy, not in spite of my circumstances, because of, of, of them. I mean, I mean, next week, we're going to be looking at the big things in life that hit us. How do you maintain hope when the big things hit us, like like grief or catastrophic illness or things like that. But just, for instance, take the issue of grief. Most of us have been hit with somebody that we love and they've, they've passed, and we think, man, you know, this shouldn't have happened. You know, when am I going to recover from this? If you've ever suffered through kind of the depression of grief or the hurt of grief, when will I bounce back? You know, when will things get back to normal? 
You know, the reality is, and again, we'll look at this more next week, the reality is they will never get back to normal. They won't. Life has changed. It's changed indelibly. It'll never get back. But the question can be asked, what can this become, opens up a whole new world of what now God can be doing in this whole thing. Take marriage, for instance. You hit a rough patch, you know. And all of a sudden, man, you're thinking, should we stay together? Should we split? You know, what's going on? You come together and you grab God's whole concept of this, and you ask the question of God, and what can this become if God were involved in this whole thing? And what happens? A whole new world of hope can start in this whole thing. I begin to see what Jesus can do. And so I guess here's a statement. God is in this situation bringing out his work and revealing who he is for his glory and his gospel. I mean, no matter what. That's what's going on here. How about people? How about people in this one? Um, next week, we, we've mentioned that Kurt, um, our new youth pastor, will be here. And, and, and just the whole process of bringing him out was pretty complex. You just don't simply go out and put a little, you know, one ad in front of Safeway and say, you know, we're looking for a youth pastor. And all of a sudden, boom, you know, here, here, here they come. We had to work through the character of this church, the demographics of this place, you know, staff personality, staff makeup, educational needs, experience, all those kinds of things. And, I mean, those of you that have done hiring or worked for hiring firms, you, you, know the, you know the routine, you know the process, and it's fairly complicated and fairly complex. And, and, and all of a sudden, we, you know, we, we, we put up a worked-up profile, and then resumes were sent, and we screened them and all this kind of stuff for the proper this, the proper that, the skills in this and the skills in that. I mean, because we want to have a, a, a youth program that – touches a lot of kids' lives here on the coastside. That's really Im- important to us. And it was a very long, arduous process with characteristics. And one time um, I, was, I was working with the high school kids here, um, kind of in the interim, and, and I asked them a question. If we were to try and market a product, you know, who would we get? What kind of people would we get to mark this project to make it go kind of worldwide and be really famous? Rock stars, you know, you know Instagram celebrities, those kinds of things. And so, so we have, you know, in hiring Kurt, we have pretty high criteria. If we're going to kind of try and do a worldwide marketing thing, we, we would want to get, you know, the best of the best of the best of the best. Um, I love this. This is what Jesus does. So as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. They were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. I mean, I mean, they did, you know, they did. Um, what qualifications did they have, you know? I mean, what? I mean, they like to fish, so obviously they're of superior intelligence, you know. That's, 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 a, that's a big deal. But, but you just think, you know, Jesus' interview process was not particularly extensive. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Just boom, you know, boom, boom. And Jesus was able to look at everyone and ask the question, what could they become? What could this become? And you take a look at the cast that Jesus chose to be his apostles, and you think, man, these are the people that are going to change the world. I mean, these are the people. This is it, the 12. These, 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 these 12 and 11 are going to go out and change the whole wide world. Matthew was a tax collector, traded to his own people. Peter, Peter's talent was his ability to, you know, open mouth, insert foot. You know, I mean, he was, had that, that skill. Um, Simon, he's called Simon the Zealot, okay? Zealot in those days, Zealot meant that he'd be the guy among the disciples who would be wearing 
the red hat that says make Israel great again. Okay. He was that guy. I mean, he's that, he's that guy. That was a temperament and the personality of zealots back in those days. And, and Thomas doubted everything, you know, pessimistic and doubted everything. And Jesus looked at them all the time and said, what could this become? I told you I meet with some of the high school kids in our, in our youth group. Um, uh, um, afterwards, we, we have a kind of a Bible study, and I um, ask them to bring Bibles for the Bible study. And I bring a real Bible, you know, and they, of course, bring their what? Their phones. They bring their phones because, you know, and us senior people can't understand that, but that's, you know, that's the way um, old age hits us and all that. And, 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 and when they have their little phones, they don't have just one version of the Bible. They have what? Multiple, multiple, because it can all be, be, be on there. And so I'll ask them to read a verse. And, and what, these, that's what these kids will, will do is they will find the weirdest version possible, okay? And they will read that, the weirdest version. You know, old 15th century English they'll read, you know, or, or they'll read Amplified, which is like 10 times longer than, than on the normal. Last week it, it was Hawaiian Pigeon, okay? I am not kidding you. Hawaiian Pigeon version, and, and, you know, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, you know, listening to this, you know, this, this, this craziness and, you know, the funness of these kids. And, and while they're doing that and while they're reading or having fun with it, I look at each of them, you know, and I pray for these kids, each of them, and I'll think, what can she become? What can she become in life? What can she become in life? As her heart turns towards Christ, as she begins to understand the depth of the riches of everything that God has for her, what can she become? What can he become? You know, once he can kind of drop the pretension and all these kinds of things and understand how fully loved he is in Christ, and it doesn't matter what people think of him, it matters what God thinks of him, what will he become? Every person in your life that God brings, our attitude towards them should be, what can they become? And it becomes real all the time, you know? And that should be the attitude you should have with your kids. Man, if you've got teenagers, if you don't look at what they are, if you only look at what they are now, you'll go berserk, you know? But your attitude needs to be what? What can they become, you know? And begin to treat them that way and pray for them that way. What in the world can they become? And, and I want every, every worker here, every, every volunteer servant that, that we have here that works with anybody, you know, whether you're a life group leader working with adults or whether you are a youth leader working with, with high school, middle school kids or whether you work in nursery or whether you work in, with the harbor or whether you work with, with all the other kids that we have as well. Everyone to say, Every single kid, what can this become? What can it? Because it opens up everything. So saying what God is in this person, bringing out his work in their lives, making them more and more into the image of Jesus. Every single person, every single time. Last one is going to be me and, 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 and you. You know, The question we would ask is, what can I become? Because this now gives us hope in life. What can I 
become? And I think we need to ask that question for us. We have a car and it has a backup camera, you know, and, and we're kind of late adapters, these kinds of things. Um, and it's really cool. I mean, it's, it's really cool. Sometimes I'll just sit there with the car in reverse just to look at the screen, you know, just, just, sit, just sit there. And, 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 and you know, you, you put it in reverse and the camera goes on, you can see whatever's back there, the driveway, you know, um, other cars passing by, the trash cans. You know, a cat, you know, go, those kinds of things. Yeah, no, just kidding, just kidding. But I've, I've noticed something. When I put the car into drive, the camera goes what? Goes off. It turns off. Why? Because I'm not going backwards anymore. I don't have to look back anymore because I'm now moving forward. And the problem is, is life moves forward whether you like it or not, but a lot of times we try and want to have that backward camera thing still on and look at our past and look at the things that we've done and look at the things that would disqualify us for being this kind of a person or being a good this or being a good that. It doesn't matter what I was. It's what I'm becoming. That's what's important. It's what... I'm becoming, I mean, this is a big thing now in politics, you know, now, and when we have a Supreme Court justice that was um, um, up for, for his um, um, affirmation and all that, they dug up stuff way back in, in college, you know, um, this, 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 and this, you know. And, and now there's another governor, I think, in Virginia or someplace. They found his college yearbook, you know, and they're digging all this kind of stuff up. And at first he says, yeah, that was me, I'm sorry. And then it's like, no, that wasn't me, but if it was me, I'm sorry. You know, it's all this kind of stuff. And, and, and it's going back and forth, and everyone's trying to spin it this way, and the conservatives are spinning it this way, and the Democrats are spinning it this way, and, and it goes back and forth, back and forth. Oh, it just, it just drives me nuts. Because everyone's trying to make excuses or reasons or my side, your side. You know what I'm not hearing? And, and I, I think I said this before. You know what I'm not hearing anybody say, anybody say, yes, that was me but I'm not that person anymore. Do, do, do you understand the, the, the strength in that? Yeah, that was me. But that's not me anymore. Because this is the power that Christ has for us and for you, where you can look back and say, yeah, that was me. But if anyone's in Christ, they're a, a new creation. The old is gone. The old is past. New things. New things have come. Ephesians 2.10, where God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That means there are works in advance that God has called you to do as you become. And if you keep looking backwards, you'll never be able to be prepared for those kinds of things. So the question is, is what can this day become? You can ask that question, what can I become in this day? What can this day become for me? What can I be this day? What can I be when I go home and interact with family? Or what can this day become when I get on the phone and talk to somebody that I, I, I care about? When I have a bitterness towards somebody, what can I make this day become? What can I become? Oswald Chambers lived about 100 years ago. He wrote this daily devotional, um, and a pretty cool one. Here's a quote from him. Beware of spending too much time looking back at what you once were when God wants you to become something you have never been. I like that. God is making you into something that you have never been before, ever, ever been before. I was talking to somebody this week. Um, um, he's developing something called augmented reality. Um, um, some of you understand that, um, augmented reality. It's not virtual reality. Virtual reality is when you put on those, those goggles and everything is just kind of 
kind of virtual fake, you know, um, augmented reality actually takes that which is real and, and, and you, you can actually kind of, it augments it so it looks a little bit differently. So for instance, let's say, let's say I have a, I have a, a cell phone here and what you can do is if this was a cell phone, you turn on your screen and you put on a little augmented reality thing and I would look at my wrist. If you wanted to figure out what kind of watch you wanted, you know, you can actually look at it and, and, and you can see your wrist on your screen with the watch on it, okay? And you can actually turn it, and it turns with you. It turns with you because it's augmented reality. Got that? I mean, it's cool. And you don't like that watch? You push a button, and you get another watch, and another watch appears on your wrist. It's, it's really wild stuff. It's crazy. He was showing it to me. And, or if you wanted to, like, see what a couch would look like, you know, over there, you know, you can just actually see it, and there's a couch. Now I'm going to change the color of that, and it'll change it with the shadowing, the lighting, all that kind of stuff. Augmented reality, big for commercial purposes, all that kind of, kind of stuff is going, going on here. Um, and I was thinking about that in, in regards um, to us. God doesn't just simply look at us in what we think is reality. He looks at us in, let's just simply call it augmented reality. He sees everything that we can become. Everything we can become. And everything that we are. I love this verse in Romans 8. It says, all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And I think it's fully reveal. Um, who we really are and what we're really like, meaning this old stuff that gets in the way of seeing who we really are in Christ will be just gone. And if you're in Christ, you're all kinds of things. And this is not augmented reality. This is spiritual reality. You're chosen if you're in Christ. You're gifted. You're destined. You're an ambassador of God on this earth. You're forgiven. You're seen as holy. You're purpose for God. Let's not call that augmented reality. That's a spiritual reality. It's what I can become in life, what I can become, and what God's making me, not what I am. So God's in my life changing me to be his person for his purpose in my world. What can I become today? Worship team's going to come on up right now. And we've been talking about looking forward and looking to the future and all of that. And, but now I'm going to invite you to look back a second, even though I've said don't, let's look back. Because Jesus said, there's times in life you need to remember, and this is one of those. Because Jesus said, when you take the elements of what we call the Lord's Supper, you might be communion or the Eucharist or whatever, he said, I want you to remember. Because by remembering this, there's no power in the remembering it's just simply an affirmation of what God has done that strengthens us, helps us understand. Jesus said, remember, because that helps with the hope and the changes needed. What we have is we have tables that are here and, and some in the back as well for you. Um, and, and the worship teams are going to play a song and, and then you're going to be invited to, to go to the table and, and you'll see like a little pile of crackers, you know, and some trays and they have little cups in them and the cups are filled with juice and you're going to be invited to take one of one of each and, and then go back to your seat hold on to them um, the important part Jesus said is to remember remember what these symbolize remember what, what these mean um, our faith is not in a religion it's not um, it's not in a building our faith is in a person in Jesus Christ okay and Jesus is the one who said look 
I'm going to put something for you to continually remember everything that faith is all about and everything that I did for you. The bread that's here, the crackers that are here, Jesus said, this is my body. Okay. And the depth behind it is when Jesus said, this is my body, he's talking about Christmas, <laughs> that I came down from heaven and took on flesh and blood. And so when he said, this is my body, remember, I came down for you. I loved you so much. I would come down for you. Well, why did he have to come down? Uh, not just to teach us and not just simply to show us as an example how to live. God came down because we, we have sin. It needs to be taken care of. It needs to be punished. It has to be. And the Bible says the wages of sin, the penalty for your sin is death. And you can die for your sin if you choose. But Jesus said, I will die in your place. It's called a substitution. And that is the core of what we believe. Substitution that Jesus died for me and for you. And when you accept that, when you say that, I want that for me, true for me, real for me, in my life, your sins are forgiven. That's how God does it. And when you take that, when you take these, you're not saying, well, now I'm going to get it in me, so finally I'm like a pill saved. It doesn't work that way. It's our faith that does it. It's your faith and your belief in what Jesus has done. Maybe you're going to come forward today and take, maybe for the first time, and say, I believe this for me. And I want this to be part of me in my life. I'm going to pray. They're going to do a song, and then you're invited to come. Um, but would you bow with me, please? Maybe this morning, making sense to you, and you need this, or maybe you're saying, I'm running out of hope on my own. I can't do this on my own anymore, and I'm tired of trying, and I need God in my life. And Jesus, I accept what you've done for me. I'm putting my faith in you, my trust in you, my love. So help me to know how much you love me right now. And Jesus, thank you that 